Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Todd Payton, and Rick Hackman. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. How are you doing, David? Awesome. And if everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, then turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 21. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to break open the bread of life. So Rob, do you mind uh, inviting the Holy Spirit in? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Father Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your protection on us. You are, you are an awesome God, so generous and loving and kind and merciful. Uh, Lord, we're just sorry for the times that, uh, that we forget about you, that we just live our lives with just indifference and uh, just a ho-hum attitude about, about our faith. And we just ask you to set us on fire. Set us on fire, Lord, please. Set us on fire. And uh, we ask you to, to guide all those who are listening, protect all of us here in the studio. And uh, we ask the Blessed Mother to pray with us, to pray for us, uh, and help us to pray for us that we draw closer to her Son each and every day as we pray together. Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Full, full of grace, grace. The, Lord the Lord is with, is with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, women and, and blessed, blessed is the fruit, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother of God, pray, pray, pray for, for us sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, Rick, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? The Gospel today is from the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 15 through 21. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then. What is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I circled the word, Rob, plotted. Um, And then I look, and why do we plot? Because we have a lot of head knowledge about the Bible, a lot of head knowledge about, about Christ, about God, but it fails to get to our heart. Then we plot to try and trip up what Jesus speaks to us to make it be what we want to hear. You know, I go to John chapter 6, the the discourse of the bread of life, and it's like Jesus says, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he says it four times. He tells us again and again and again, it's real, guys. 
it is truly me present fully, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And how many people look at that and read that and just allow the enemy to deceive them, to twist it. Well, it's really not really his flesh and blood. It's really just a symbol. No, 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 that's not truth. That's not truth. Jesus goes on to say, you know, it is real food. It is real drink. You know, so for me, I am so grateful as a Catholic to be able to turn to the bulwark and the pillar of truth, that being Holy Mother Church, to say, what does this really mean? Because the enemy is always trying to twist and deceive when we try and deeply get into a relationship with Jesus Christ in his word, what it really means. And many times we fall prey to that. Why? Well, because we don't want to change, because we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to face, whoa, does he, was he serious? I mean, in that chapter, we look at what happens. His disciples left him. He didn't call them back and say, yo, guys, just kidding. You know, the, the Jews left him. I said, how is this a hard teaching to believe? You know, and the only ones that stayed were the apostles. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, you know, how about you? And he said, where are we to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Well, what words did Jesus just speak? He said, this bread that you eat is my flesh. It is my blood. You must eat it. You must drink it if you want to have life. And so for me, Rob, that just that plotted and entrapped Jesus and his words. It's all about me because the Pharisees had great head knowledge of God, great head knowledge of God, of God, but it failed to make that transition from head to heart and to be lived out in love. And that, that for me, is the challenge point for me. And, and another challenge, as you're saying that, David, is uh, for us to make sure that, for me, that I don't go out and plot... Um, against my brothers and sisters, right? If I have a, a, a truth um, that that through God's grace was re- was revealed and, and brought forward in my life, that I don't want to plot out of you know a sense of right and wrong. I want to I want to prove the prove that I'm right or prove you know the other person's wrong. That you know that just test my. I need to test my own heart. That make sure there's no malice in my heart uh, when I'm interacting with people. That it's uh, that it's love. That's in my heart, and the only thing that that I should be plotting is uh, is, is how how more how much more can I pray to be an instrument in in, in unity, um, you know, not not trying to prove my point or or be right. At, uh, yeah, so I think this is you know when you mentioned the word plot, David, I, I you know, my my heart went a different way just to make sure that I'm not plotting you know, to, to prove somebody wrong just to make me feel more right. And that's yeah. that's so good, Rob, because when we look at that scripture and we read it further, you know, Jesus says, it's not flesh and blood that have revealed this to you. The flesh is of no avail. It's God the Father who reveals it. He's the one that uncovers the eyes of the heart. What are we called to be? Instruments of his truth shared with love and humility. And let God be God. You know, our brothers and sisters in Christ— they have Christ in them. And that word you use, malice, you're right. If we go out and we try and maliciously or with spiritual pride force something, force feed them, they're going to regurgitate it. They're not going to keep it down. We share truth with love, and we walk out our faith every day. And they are watching us. They are observing us. And what are they looking for? Are we true vessels of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's compassion, of God's forgiveness. That's what they're looking for. And if God chooses, the Father chooses, to reveal it further and deeper to them, then he'll reveal it to them. 
and he'll, they'll come and they'll ask further questions or they'll go and seek truth on their own. So, Rob, thank you for sharing that because it's so important. As we share the truth and beauty of our Catholic faith, we always do it with love because you can't separate truth from love or you're trying to divide Christ. And we always share it with a heart of humility of how God revealed this truth to us and how this truth brought us into a more personal and ever-deepening intimate relationship with Jesus Christ in and through our Catholic teachings. It's perfect, Rob, so thank you for sharing that. You know, as I read this today, and even as you guys were talking, uh, I'm reading the way the Pharisees are talking, and in the quotes it says, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You know, and, and, and I'm looking at the way they're talking to him and the way that they are trying to, like it says, plot and entrap him in his speech. So they're, they're, they're kind of giving him these false compliments, right? These, oh, you know, we, we know how incredible you are, Jesus, and we know, and, and they're laying it on thick. And the first thing I'm thinking of is, man, these guys are laying it on thick, right? And, and then it goes on to say, and you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, which obviously the Pharisees are. And then it says, for you do not regard a person's status, which obviously the Pharisees think people should, right? And then, then tell us, what is your opinion? And immediately what struck me was that the authority of Jesus versus the Pharisees. Versus the Pharisees. You know, look at the true authorities c- come out right away because he, he immediately says to them, you know, why are you testing me? And, and he doesn't answer their question with an answer right away. He answers it with another question. And then he says to them, you know what, I'm going to put you uh, in a position here where I'm going to start asking you some questions. You know, why are you testing me? Uh, who's on that coin? Right? Like he doesn't know. Of course he knows his answers. Right? But to me, I, I was so taken today reading this of just how powerful Jesus' authority really is. And the way he just turns on these guys, knowing everything that they're doing, right, and loving them. And how many Pharisees did he look in the eye as he was reprimanding them and still in his heart know, I'm going to be hanging on the cross for you soon, yeah. right? And, and, but he's still engaged. He's still reprimanded. He's still, he, he, you know, one of the questions that we had this week about this gospel was, what example of love is this that Jesus is showing us? where, hey, he's taking them head on here. It might not look very merciful, but we know it is. Um, This is speaking truth with courage. Uh, There's meekness and humility, but power and authority. Like, What an incredible example or model of love in, in this particular passage, along with all the other ways that Jesus shows love. And look at how differently he treats a poor beggar in the street or a prostitute, or a tax collector, and how loving and soft and merciful he is with them, but how, you know, meeting them toe-to-toe here and putting them on the defensive and challenging them in a way here, I'm just, I guess I'm always kind of enamored with the different ways that Jesus shows love in all these Gospels. And, And this certainly, to me today, is another example of that. And you use the word, you know, and this is speaking of Jesus, you are not concerned with anyone's opinion. And that resonated with me also as you were sharing, because we can seek the opinion of others. We can seek what's called the counsel of others. But ultimately, it must and always must line up perfectly with the Word of God, which is truth, which is perfect. And so many times, my beautiful wife, she'll share with me a scripture verse in answer 
to the question that I'm asking about discernment. So say the Bible, this is what Jesus teaches. This is what the Bible teaches us. And that way of relating, she's sharing with me pure truth, not her opinion. Okay? Because opinions, everyone has one. But truth is truth. And that's why I'm just so grateful that God left us this great love letter in the, in the Bible, that it's, it's meant for us to be leaders in our homes, our families, the workplace. It's, it's how we're to love like he loves. It's how we're to forgive like he forgives. It's how we're to have compassion, mercy. It's awesome. And then take that one step further that we're able to go to Holy Mother Church and say, you know what? I got my opinion. But what is truth? And what is truth? What, what truly does this mean? And then the church, in its wisdom, based on the Holy Spirit opening its eyes to the fullness of truth, shares it so beautifully, biblically, where do we get it? Where do we get it? Connects the dots. So, again, I'm just, you know, everyone's got opinions. And I want to be a respecter of that person. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and listen with love as I ask questions, because I want to seek first to understand, where are you at? What's it mean to you? You know, because I've seen met many, many brothers and sisters in Christ that are not Catholic that have such a reverence for that time of communion with the Lord when they drink grape juice or wine or bread that they break. But to them, it is a special, special time. And I respect that in them because I've met many Catholics that go up and it's, it, it's not even a McDonald's fast food line. It's just that's what they do. And it's, they don't realize who they're receiving into their bodily temple, into, into, into their hearts. And so, A friend of mine a little while back, I might have shared this before on the, on the radio show as we were talking about opinions, um, he said that the evil one wants us to, to use this math, math equation, uh, our accomplishments plus the opinion of others equals our self-worth. The our, our accomplishments plus the opinion of others equals our self-worth. Man, imagine getting stuck in that math problem there. That you're, you know, so if I don't get straight A's, I'm, I'm no good. Or if I don't make the team, I'm no good. If I'm not a success in business, as the world says, I'm no good. Or you know, what other people think about me is who I am. Man, that's a, that's a swirl. And it's just so nice to, to, to hear that Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't bother himself with the opinion of others. Um, and then when they asked him, and, and I don't think God needs our opinion either. You know, he, he wants our obedience, right? We need to trade our opinion in for our obedience. But when they asked Jesus, what's your opinion? When he speaks, it's truth. So his opinion equals truth. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, there, there's nothing less than truth, uh, full truth, when he, when he gives his opinion. So uh, I'll take Jesus' opinion any day because that's truth. But mine or someone else's, no, I'd rather go to a Holy Mother Church and trade my opinion uh, for obedience, right. and then that's free. That's just, that's freedom. That is freedom. And you know, um, this idea of what is your opinion, Jesus? The Pharisees are operating on a, on a level where, well, this is our opinion. What's your opinion? We think ours is right. We don't think yours is right, and we're going to show you how much we think you're wrong. Just wait and see, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So this it's this battle of who are you going to follow, right? And and in the in the, in the gospel, it says here that the Pharisees sent their disciples. So there are disciples and followers of the Pharisees, right, and these Herodians that went to Jesus to, to then entrap him. And I'm thinking, man, you know, there's such a competition in our world today and even here for the disciple, for the follower, for the heart and mind of a person. And so much of life 
is who owns the real estate, these 18 inches between your, your, your mind and your heart? Who owns that? Does the media own it? Does the culture own it? Does uh, some person whose opinion you really want own it? Does some brokenness in your past own it? Does God own it? Right? Who owns that real estate? It, it, it's very powerful. And so you can see all of the things coming to try to get to own you and make you a disciple of something. We, we were with, David, we were with some kids last week, and we were talking about how easy it would be if they could turn on their devices. And in a minute's time, how many people they could be in touch with in a minute's time. And we were saying, and for our listening audience, those of you who are adults or kids out there, if, if, if you could do that, if you were given a minute to go to your Facebook page, to go to your emails, to go to your texting, to go to whatever. Instagram. Instagram, <laughs> Snapchat, whatever's out there. How many people could you be in touch with? And we're saying, okay, put your hands up if it's 50. Put their hands up. 100, 150. Pretty soon the hands stopped, and a couple of kids kept going. 200, 300, 400. And finally one kid said, with a big grin on his face, he said, I have 357 followers. And I said, guys, did you just hear that? And everybody was kind of looking around. And said, he, he said he has followers. And then we were joking with the kid, well, where are you taking them? They're following you. Are you taking them to the promised land? Where, where are you going with this, right? And I said, the, 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 the trap that we fall into is that our opinions and what we do and what we say, we're out there looking for followers and disciples. And when we get them, it's kind of a feather in our cap. And this is just a pitfall of all of us becoming our own gods. And that's what's happening in the world. And so when I see, oh, the Pharisees had their disciples. Well, we know Jesus had his disciples. And I'm saying, this is a, comp- this is a competition. This is a fight, a spiritual, universal fight for discipleship and who are you going to follow? And we had just, a, just a, an example in spades with these kids. And, and when he stopped, and, he's, and I said, well, what are you putting on your social media pages that everybody's following you so much? Right? And we got talking about that. But really, isn't that the goal? is how many followers can you get? And it's this little example of creating my own little kingdom and being my own God. Wow. And, and it really came to light and exposed some of the things that, that we're, we're used to. And so me, I'm thinking here, wow, these Pharisees have disciples, and they're probably going to get upset that they're losing their disciples hmm. to Jesus, and they're going to follow somebody different in that battle for that most valuable real estate that we have. Yeah, I love the last line, you know, then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. I mean, Jesus is clearly outlining for us, we chose to be part of this country. We owe our taxes. That's a correct statement. So we need to pay those taxes. Um, If something is in conflict, direct conflict, you know, i.e. abortion or contraception to our faith beliefs, then we need to take it to due process. And then perhaps close our facility or whatever we need to do so that we stay within God's teaching and God's law. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I'm freedom. I, Jesus says, pay your taxes. And then he's paid, give to God what belongs to God. But what belongs to God? Pay my taxes, what belongs to God? Everything. Everything. So how much of your gift of your life, your first fruits, do you give to God every day? Do you give God the first fruits of your time when you wake up in the morning? If you don't, who's, who's ahead of him? Or what's ahead of him? Do you give God the first fruit to your income? Oh, you're going to pay your bills first and then give God a little bit of what's left over? Really? So what is first in your life or who is first? And I think it's a question for all of us to be challenged by. 
You know, because Jesus is saying again, you know, to give to God what belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Now ask the Father, what, what do you want from me? The Old Testament tells us a tithe, 10%, the first fruits. The first fruits, he doesn't say the second. Cain and Abel both gave gifts. Seemed like pretty good gifts, both of them. But only one got honored, and that was Abel's. Why? Because Abel gave of the first fruit, the best of what he had. You know, so as you look at your life and you do that little analyzation, invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and say, where don't I put you first, God? Do I not put you first in the giving of my time? Do I not put you first in the giving to others? Do I not put you first in the giving financially? Seriously go through and really do. Allow, I should say, allow the Holy Spirit to do an inspection of your life and your heart and get your life in order. Get your life in order. God first, your spouse second, your children third. Your mission opportunities, which is your job, the workplace, and the church, is fourth. And then yourself is fifth, staying healthy, staying healthy. But it all starts with that first relationship, and that's with God. And if you do not put him first, well, then who's first in your life? Because that's what affects every other relationship. Yeah. I, I remember clearly, like it, was, like it was yesterday, I was 16 years old, um, driving, my dad was in the passenger seat. I was driving with my with my permit, and uh, and I remember the car we were in. I remember the road. And my dad said something to me that I didn't like. I didn't like then. It was very challenging, and and sometimes I don't like it now. He said, "You can tell a lot about a man by how they invest their time and invest their money. You can tell a lot about a man just how uh, in person, right? He was talking to me, but you know, you can tell a lot about a person by how they." He said, spend, but, you know, invest your time and invest your money. It's like, wow, how true is that, right? That if, especially time, that, you know, we all, we're all, that's, that's the great equalizer. That is the, you know, we're all, if we're blessed to have this day, we're all given the same amount of time. And, uh, and if we love the Lord and, and, you know, what belongs to God is everything in our hearts. You know, so if we truly belong to God and we're saying that we want to go to heaven, um, you know, how much special time do we set aside just for him? You know, he wants us to dedicate our whole day, everything to him, but how much time do we really, like, go, like, do we just put aside for him, just to be alone with him, just to hang out, listen to him, go in the chapel, go to adoration, just to be alone with the God who loves us so much. Doesn't need us, right? He created us out of love. He desires us. He thirsts for us. How much time do I set aside for him? And when I... Look at the time, because money, once you get into a habit of giving and you kind of have it set aside and, you know, it's, you know stuff's getting taken out of your account and, you know, it, it's done. You know, you've made that decision and it's done. You don't think about it, but every day, every day is a new 24 hours. And there's a lot of days, guys, that I go through a day and I didn't have much special time with God. I thought about him throughout the day, maybe prayed while I was driving or prayed while I was doing something else, but not much, not much special time just with him, just to let him love me. And that's important, Rob, because once you get that right, then God the Father is also worried about our recreational time, recreation. Mm. And so tyranny, my wife will challenge me. She'll say, uh, David, watching that show on TV, was it recreational for you? Were you recreated in the image and likeness of Christ by watching that show? And I'll go, ooh, ouch, ooh. <laughs> No, I wasn't. So you were wasting the gift of time God gave you. There's nothing wrong with recreation, recreation. <laughs> it's God's idea. But what are we doing? Are we taking our children fishing? Are we taking our wife out to dinner? 
Those are recreational times because God's fingerprints are always an exchange of gifts. When we're a gift to another, they end up being a gift to us. That's God at work. But if it's about me, myself, and I, it's a cycle of death. So this word recreational, I never really broke it down. And when my spiritual director said, David, that's recreation. God wants to recreate you. He wants to recreate you through the activities, through the involvement with others. He wants to. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to experience life and live it to the fullest. That's why Jesus gave his life. But I never looked at it that way. So now when you're on a computer and you're looking at something, is it recreational? Is it recreating you in the image and likeness of God? Is it healthy? You know? And uh, Todd... I was just thinking about that whole challenge of David. That one had me rendered speechless there for a little bit. Um, that's a that's a real challenge point for me. And uh, and speaking of what belongs to God, you know this this month is pro life month. Um, so much talk out there, and hopefully our listeners have heard uh, wonderful stories of of pro life situations and witnesses. And so, want to wrap up today with. Uh, a prayer for life, and we just remind everyone out there to pray for all those who are in these end-of-life or beginning-of-life tough situations where, where challenging circumstances exist, and there's so many critical decisions to be made. Uh, we just ask our audience, along with ourselves, to pray together for these people as we wrap up our show today. So uh, we'll, we'll pray the prayer for life. Eternal Father, you are the author of life. You formed each of us in the womb of our mother for both your delight as well as your purpose. You created us uniquely in your image and likeness to bring your love to the world. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life. Please help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to champion your truth of life and to all those who are blind to the horror of abortion. Please, Heavenly Father, pour out your grace and protection to all expectant mothers and fathers so that they may deny themselves, choose life, and stand with you against the master of lies who seeks to destroy life within the womb. Heal those, Father, who have been deceived by the enemy, that they may experience your forgiveness, your mercy, your love. Set them free from the condemnation of he who is the accuser. Anoint us, Father, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we may be instruments in your hands, a voice crying out for those who have no voice. In the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, one and all. Let's bear witness to the love of Christ. Amen. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups. Or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to
to him.